everyone, and welcome to uh, Norganon, Popped Off's War, uh, World of Warcraft lore podcast. I'm your host, James Graham, and I'm joined here by Mazriel and Warren. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Excited to be talking about some nerdy lore stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, everyone. Good to be here. So, yeah, I guess a good way to start the episode would be for uh, both you guys to give a little uh, background spiel about yourself. So, uh, Maze, we'll start with you, man, if you want to give it like, you know, quick introduction about yourself. Yeah, I've been playing this game all the way back since Warcraft 3. I've been obsessed with the lore since I saw the first uh, the first cinematic trailer of, of WC3. I've uh, been following it ever since, uh, even out of breaks. I'll, I'll keep up with the books, the movie, etc. Um, I'm excited to be able to dig into tonight's topic. Perfect. And Warren, how about yourself, man? I'm not exactly a veteran like you guys. Um, I came in during the like last patch of Legion, and I kind of just fell in love with the story and kind of did everything I could to just read up. So, um, yeah, I just kind of got hooked since then, and I really, really look forward to uh, talking about some, what did you say, Mazriel? Some really fun, nerdy uh, lore stuff with you guys. It's the, uh, yeah, it's easily the best way to put it. And if for you guys who don't know me or haven't heard us on the other podcast, my name is James Graham. Um, I've been playing Warcraft about as long as Maze. Uh, got hooked in in Warcraft 3 and kind of been sticking around ever since. Uh, I made a paladin. And uh, yeah, we're going to kind of get right into it. So for anybody who doesn't know uh, and, or hasn't had a chance to listen to our, our trailer episode, uh, Norgana, we basically, every episode we take on a topic, a faction, an event, or a person from the, uh, the Warcraft universe and give you a rundown about it. Usually pretty brief. Uh, we try and keep it more on the discussion side of things and basically get right into it that way. Um, I w- I do want to get you guys to be familiar with where you can kind of get our updates from. So, uh, Maze, could you tell them where to find us? Yeah, you can always find us on Twitter at PoppedOff or, uh, also on the website PoppedOff.com. Yes, and as well, uh, guys, pretty much will be on any podcasting platform you really uh, listen to us, uh, listen to really anything on um, Apple, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Podbean, all that good stuff. So please be sure to tell your friends. Yeah, yeah, spread the spread the word. Yeah, exactly. Right. So with that, guys, uh, we're gonna get into our uh, the nitty gritty of our first episode, which is the Helm of Domination. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the Helm of Domination was what basically, just to kind of jump ahead to current lore, is what was sh- uh, broken in half by Sylvanas and kind of shattered the veil between uh, Shadowlands and Azeroth. So right now we're going to get kind of get into the history of it. We're going to be doing the new lore. There is retcon versions as well that we will be jumping into later. Uh, but for right now, this is only going to be new lore. So that being said, the Helm of Domination, the Plate of the Damned, and Frostmourne, all three relics uh, basically that were possessed by the Lich King, were created in the Shadowlands by somebody called the Rune Sage. We know very little about him, um, but we do know they were acquired from the Rune Sage by Dreadlords of uh, the Burning Legion. Um, we don't know whether or not they were either commissioned, stolen, all that good stuff. We re- the, the details are very vague. So what happens from there is the Burning Legion is possession of these, um, and Ner'zhul basically being pursued by uh, the the Sons of Lothar in briefly after the Second War, um, basically makes a ton of rifts in Draenor, which of course is the, the Orcish home planet, and tries to just bail out of there. They try and get out as fast as possible. Um, Ner'zhul's pretty reckless about this. Him and his followers end up in the Twisting Nether, and the Burning Legion's pretty much there waiting for them. Um, with that, because uh, Ner'zhul has basically been screwed over by uh, Kel'Jade and Sargeras, both of the Burning Legion, for uh, the entire events of the lead-up to the opening of the Dark Portal. 
Um, Kel Jaden basically says, "Okay, the Dreadlords, you're going to be to- you're going to torture Nezul. You know, make him not nearly the person he used to be, and then eventually make him beg for his life, and then we'll put him." Uh, his spirit form, more or less, into the helm of domination. Um, we do believe that some of his, like some of his spirit essence, is, is also both in the plate of the damned and Frostmourne, as we kind of see with Arthas's backstory, um, with Frostmourne kind of commanding him to the to the Lich King. Uh, with that being said, though, Arthas, which we will be getting into our next episode, um, gets guided to Northrend, where the Lich King resides, and uh, basically gets combined with the two, uh, gets combined with Nerzul. Uh, once, once kind of taken combined, uh, taking like once the two kind of form in combination, um, Arthas kind of throws everything out the window, kills both the spirit of Nizul and his former self, um, though his last, I guess, uh, bastion of humanity. Um, and then Arthas is basically full control. This is where we kind of start getting into the nitty gritty of, uh, the helmet domination and how it kind of works with the undead scourge. Uh, it, the helmet domination allows complete control over the undead scourge. Uh, in one way or another, either keeping them at bay or unleashing them on, uh, you know, other adventurers, all that good stuff. So, Arthas is becoming increasingly more powerful. You see him basically throughout all of uh, Wrath of the Lich King, uh, Warcraft's second expansion, and he keeps showing up and really just messing with adventurers, but you still feel like this guy's got a a fair bit of power and a fair bit of control. Um, Eventually, you confront Arthas on the Lich, um, in the, uh, in Ice Crown, you kill him, shatter Frostmourne, and because the Helm of Domination, as previously mentioned, controls the Undead Scourge, uh, somebody always kind of has to be the Lich King. Somebody always has to be able to keep these guys at bay without them just running rampant and kind of taking over Azeroth. I think they've previously been described as feral undead if they're not under control of the Lich King. Bolvar Four Dragon, who you're kind of up there, you're sent up there to kind of rescue initially, um, decides to don the mantle just to kind of keep everybody at bay. So. This is where things start getting even more convoluted because between Bolvar and the Lich uh, Arthas, um, the Helm of Domination has granted them kind of visions. Uh, we see this with Arthas basically doing some serious self-reflection and killing both Nerzul and his his last bastion of humanity. And Bolvar basically sees like legions of undead horde. Um, he sees uh, visions of like other unworldly things that he doesn't really get into too too much. He just kind of alludes to it, and I think it's covered in the the Death Knight. Um, uh, campaign hall uh, story. So eventually, as everybody knows, we see in Shadowlands, Savannah comes up, has this crazy duel with Bolvar, and eventually rips the helm in two that shatters the veil on the uh, between Azeroth and the Shadowlands. There was a very brief and very uh, very all over the place history. I am trying to perfect my uh, storytelling abilities, but I do hope that it kind of gives a a brief description of the helmet. The big thing we the big thing we want to do here though is not so much talk about the history. There is far more better resources for that, which we will cite um, towards uh, in the production of our, our episodes. But I do want to get about talking about is the actual origin story and the discussion of it all, like you know how we thought they kind of went about things. So guys, what I want to do is I want to jump into the the origin story of the Helm of Domination and the other armaments, and how do we think? that the Burning Legion even got these things to begin with. Because now, it used it, the, the old lore was basically the Dreadlords made it. The Dreadlords crafted the Rune Blade, crafted the Helmet, but now that's since been retconned. So how does that even, how do, like, you know, Burning Legion, they, they haven't retconned the Burning Legion had it, but they just retconned how they got it. My theory that I have right now is, um, well, this goes into, like, some, you know, 
spoiler territory so anyone that doesn't want to know what's happening on the elf and stuff like that please don't listen i'm sorry but um like we find out that the void basically invaded once at least i think it was um like the shadowlands so that means that the shadowlands isn't impervious to being invaded so there's a pretty high chance that the burning legion basically just broke in there and forced this guy to basically make the helm of domination and like all the other artifacts um, and basically just took them with them whenever they left or lost when they were there or something. Yeah, that's pretty much what I think happened. It's pretty likely that they just, I don't know, contracted it out to him and asked him pretty nicely. But, you know, demons tend to not be super friendly about stuff like this. So who knows? Maze, how about yourself, man? You you kind of on board with Warren's theory or do you get something else cooking? A little, something a little different. So and to preface very, very much in the fan theory. None of this is confirmed, but uh, if, if you look at Dreadlords, they definitely stand out in regards to the Burning Legion. They're uh, they're like the only ones who use necromantic magic, and they're far closer to a marriage, and we can see that now with uh, Shadowlands, of Revendreth and Maldraxxus. Maldraxxus being the home of all the necromantic powers, all Death Knights get their power from there. And, of course, Revendreth being the one with the awesome-looking vampires that have a gothic feel that's going on. Um, and they look to be, like, a good marriage of the two. So another possibility is that the Jailer saw what was happening, saw Sargeras, uh, Sargeras's war against the Void, and decided to go, yeah, I'll help with that. And, con- and handed the armor and Frostmourne all the weapons to give to Sargeras to use as a weapon. Because um, one thing that we do know is Sargeras, the, the reason he wanted the Scourge was because he knew the Orcish Horde was too divided. It was its weakness. It found out um, that it was betrayed, and its honor stood up and uh, kind of blocked the Burning Legion from being able to, to proceed taking over Azeroth, plus its uh, the Well of Eternity and its World Soul, etc. So it, it, it is likely that, like, if you're if you're a cosmic being, if you're essentially a god of gods, which is a lot of what Shadowlands is looking to gear up to be. What's one planet turned into the perfect weapon against the Void, which the Undead Horde would be? That, that's kind of my personal fan theory, even though it's way out there. But, I mean, it makes sense, too, because like it is something that's covered in uh, in Chronicles, that, um, you know, Sargeras needed something that was, you know, it didn't, there was no chance of betrayal, there was no chance of untrust, like, you did need kind of this perfect weapon. Um, and to kind of build on uh, Warren's theory as well, um, you know, Dreadlords, are like, I mean, despite the fact they might they might be the furthest thing from the Burning Legion. These guys are kind of like masters of deceit. That's like their thing. It's deceit and manipulation, despite being these giant, bulking, bat kind of looking dudes, right? So, is it plausible to believe that they might have like tricked the uh, the Rune Sage into being like, hey, like I'm actually you know doing this for another project? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not with the Burning Legion at all. Can you make this for us, right? You think that's believable? Yeah, I actually think it is. Um, again kind of spoilerish, but uh in one of the uh shadowlands areas that we go to we do find out that there's a guy that suspiciously has ties <laughs> to the net regime as well so mm, yeah i kind of feel like you might be right there it, it's weird we know very very little like blizzard's been doing a very good job at hiding a lot of the lore stuff that we have yet to see but um the speculation is really, really fun, though. So, yeah, I think you're pretty much going the right direction. Although I think uh, Maze is 
that could be such a fun story to go through though like i really don't know which one i want more yeah yeah the the idea that the jailer just kind of picked a side and was like you know what i'm not really into the whole the whole void lords thing like you know sargeras seems to have a better idea yeah so i could totally believe i could totally believe either and i guess i guess um Maze, that kind of answers our, our our next topic, which is like, you know, why is it not fell magic, right? Like, I mean, that's the Burning Legion's mo. That's what they use, right? Um, but this is this is necromancy. I think you and I think you and I talked about this in one of our kind of previous meetups. Is that it's not anything that was done previously by the Burning Legion. Uh, we know um, back in Outland that Gul'dan tried with um, he tried with necromancy. He had the necrolites which eventually become death knights. But I mean, prior to that, there was like, there was like no hint whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And there was no ties to Maldraxxus or anything like that. It's, it's way different than what we have as far as necromancy now, which is shown with the, the frost and ice and uh, skeletons that we're always so used to. And I, I am curious because like the dreadlords were kind of the first ones to be able to really start doing that. Um, and it, you guys bring up some good points. It definitely could be that the helmet was stolen by them. We still don't yet know if the Dreadlords have ties to Revendreth, but they really look like they fit that theme. Uh, we do know that the four the four zones of Shadowlands, five if you count the Maw, um, they they don't always work in unison. They do have fights against each other, war against each other, uh, just like mortals do. So it could have also been that they stole this power from the Maw or from uh, in, in order to help grow their own power in some way, or just uh, maybe to help weaken or strengthen the the bonds of death as well. Because before before any of this had happened, before there was Nerzul in the helm, there there was shattering the helm of domination wouldn't have done anything. Not 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 from anything that we've seen so far. It wouldn't have had nearly the cataclysmic effect it had in in the cutscene. Yeah, I think you're right. Like um, and taking into account now there seems to be this weird economy kind of going on in the shadowlands with regards to anima and stuff like that so i definitely think like they might have been trying to gain the upper hand or something like that and well getting the rune sage to basically make an all-powerful um kind of super weapon for your side definitely seems to be something that is possible and whether that was just then given to Sargeras because he either got tricked by some uh, demon boys or something. Yeah, it definitely fits. Yeah, and like the nice part about this is too, where we're introduced to so many factions in Shadowlands and stuff. Like it could, like, I mean, they could have gone as an agent to any of these factions or as one of these factions, or they could have been. I mean, we don't really know where uh, the Dreadlords really origin from. We know but the Burning Legion is more or less brought up or, or is combined by a bunch of different um like you know conquered worlds more or less guys that have sworn their allegiance to sargeras but i mean the dreadlords are kind of like an outlier right because i mean they're crafty they're like they're almost like the eridar the eridar we just know so much more about um so there's like i mean it's a it's a big question mark as far as like who if they were working for anybody if they were working for somebody um if they were trying to like almost like what warren said like one faction wanted to turn the tide on another and they contracted the rune sage we actually don't like i mean is the rune sage does he have any allegiance to anybody at the moment we don't really know yeah and that's the other thing too right 
yeah, so I guess the next thing I want to kind of get into as we're kind of, it's kind of one, all these kind of topics kind of bleed one into another, which is, I, 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 I find it nice, but it, um, it makes it <laughs> a little more, uh, a little more jarring to kind of switch back and forth, um, is the prior lore and now the, the new lore, the prior lore, of course, was that the dread lords themselves made this, um, that is, that's straight up said by Tychondrius, uh, in the Arthas book, um, now he's speaking specifically about Frostmourne, but you can kind of assume they're all kind of interconnected to Nerazul. They're all interconnected to the Lich King. It's safe to like it, it's it's believable that when he said oh, we made the frost, we made the sword, we also made the armor, right? The other yeah. the other weird part is too is that the that Frostmourne actually had an inscription in elemental, like the 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 language of the the elements, uh, Kalimag, I believe it's called, with a warning. So I don't. I feel like that's just going to be totally obsolete. I know we are kind of bleeding into into Frostmourne discussion as well, but I think they're they're all really kind of uh, connected. Yeah, I mean they're the sum of a whole essentially. Like everything has to do with each other. So I don't really think like that's this is the hardest part when it comes to like wow law. It's so difficult to like focus on one aspect of it and just talk about something like this without it really bleeding into other things as well. But um part of the fun yeah absolutely uh with the runes i know some people have uh taken the pictures that were data mined of the jailer and you'll see the tattoos that are on the jailer do match the runes uh that are on frostmourne whether or not that'll be changed after we've discovered that is left to be seen that's still not cemented lore but there could be definitely ties to that it could be really fun yeah uh and if you're wanting to control anima which is power of the soul what better way than stopping souls from entering uh the shadowlands at all yeah damn so that 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 would be another big thing and we just we don't yet know what we don't know (laughs) so that's that's another frustrating thing with all of this well a fun thing we can think of then in that situation like um same way death knights have control over like frost and stuff like that i mean if it is you know, an inscription in, like, the elementals language, essentially. Like, could that mean that certain elementals maybe have, like, closer ties to the Shadowlands? Maybe um, the same way they have, like, deals with certain shaman, they might have a deal with the Shadowlands people as well? I could I could totally see that, especially where um, the the broken remnants of, of Frostmourne are the Frost Knights, Frost uh, Death Knights, sorry, um, like, artifact weapon, right? Like, I mean... It would be totally believable if, like, you know, like the like. I guess, I guess, frost is kind of a like a weird mix of like, of, of water and something else, right? So, I mean, like, I could see that still being plausible, and that and this, that's another thing not being retconned. Um, and yeah, I guess we, we really don't know any association between element like the elemental plane and shadowlands if they are like totally disconnected. If there is any overlap. Um, and now that maze that you bring up that, you know, the, the tattoo thing too, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's another weird, like a weird coincidence, right? Yeah. Like, are they just, uh, you know, giving a small throwback or does it actually mean something? It's so difficult to know sometimes. It really is. And it honestly, it could always come down to a dev was like, oh, these tattoos are cool. And I found them in this folder. I don't know what it was used for. 15 years ago gotta love <laughs> so the rule of cool. we, we just don't know yet well and that's just it like i mean we are we are playing with a big big gap of old lore and new lore right like i mean 
Burning, uh, not even the Burning Legion, sorry. Um, the Wrath of the Lich King expansion was years ago, right? And before that, Ra- uh, Warcraft 3 was even, like, you know, that was a long freaking time ago. Um, so for to all that lore to be, like, stashed, relev- like, like, all together for a dev or an artist to be like, here you go, man, this is all the things you need to know. Um, you know, it's very believable that somebody might have just, like, missed over it and stuff like that. Or, like, I mean, that, on top of this, um, you know, Arthas isn't a book that is, like, it's not one of, like, it's not, like, the Shattering or anything like that. It's not something that's directly tied to the game. It's just, it kind of gives a bit of background history. I think the only real event from Arthas that carries over into the game is, like, Invincible, more or less, right? And I still haven't got it. I don't. I don't think anybody's getting that thing, man. That thing. That thing never drops. Yeah. So, um, with that though, I do want to kind of move a um, move forward a bit as well. Um, going into the actual, and this, I think, this is again, we're kind of jumping into it already. Is the mechanics of both the Helm of Domination, the uh, Plate of the Damned, um, and Frostmourne, Right. We've already kind of talked about the potential of, um, Frostmourne having more dealings with frost. Um. The, some of the known mechanics of the Helm of Domination is that it does allow complete control over the undead. You don't need Frostmourne to do that. As we see with Bolvar, he's got a big-ass two-handed mace. Um, and then the Play of the Damned were maybe like a, like, you know, just like an amplifier of the helmet? Yeah, it's possible. Like, the hardest thing, actually, like, I, I've read recently as well, like, it's very hard to separate whether... Arthas himself really got to a point where he was just that strong and it was only him and the Helm of Domination, or whether Frostmourne basically carried the majority of his power. Like, it's really hard to split up between his own strength and, like, the strength of his artifacts as well. Like, because they interact so well with each other that it's really, really difficult to discern, okay, well, what's in what's causation, what's really just happens to make him strong or not? Mm. Um, like the plate of the damned we can assume that okay it makes him really really tough Um, it might like give him some extra strength or stamina or something but we don't really know too much about the specifics about it Um, and same with frostmourne like okay does it make him stronger in general with each soul that gets absorbed does the strength amplify the power of the helmet as well like it gets very very uh complicated to basically draw a line between okay well this is where this item's strength stops and another one starts like i think they have a lot to do with each other yeah well i think we can start to cultivate some theories so we know players are going to go to shadowlands and we are building artifacts and we're using the same person who we should be using the same person who created frostmorn we don't yet know if that's a title or the exact same person but the, uh, the Rune Master, Rune Forger, is what we'll be using to create our own artifacts. We've had artifacts in the past, and it's a long tradition that the weapon kind of makes the man in Warcraft. doesn't really matter what it is. If, if there's an iconic moment with a weapon, that weapon was the strength. So I, I think Frostmourne is a lot of Arthas's battle strength, um, especially whereas like the helm is more of a... Uh, it's more of just like a, a radio boost. tower controlling everything. Yeah. Because there's, there's very rarely you see him do anything that's not Frostmourne. And even with Bolvar, uh, whatever that awesome, awesome looking hammer is and wherever he got that from, <laughs> uh, 
even he's favoring. It's just kind of a theme with Warcraft. Uh, Dragon Ball Z has screaming really loud. Warcraft has its weapons. It's true too. Like I mean, a lot of like a lot of big moments associated with Arthas and Bolvar. Unfortunately, the very little we get of Bolvar is all circulated around the helmet, right? Or not the helmet, sorry, their weapons, right? And the main topic of this of this episode is to really talk about the the workings of the, the helmet and i feel like they're very overshadowed by the weapons <laughs> like i mean it, it, it kind of sucks because yeah like we can relate power to the weapons but the helmet itself like it clearly has some sort of draw on the shadowlands yeah. and connecting the two right um and it's just like how does that transfer into the person wearing it or you know, like what happens when that? Like, I mean, I guess we know we do know what happens when you decide to unleash that and and you know, break what holds it together. But like, I mean, that kind of comes into question as well. Um, that regardless, it did like the the helm of domination didn't need a soul in it to uh, already amplify its power. Like, it's wearer's power, yeah. Yeah, because it stopped... Ma- like, I mean, Arthas made it pretty clear when he killed the soul of Ner'zhul and became the sole owner of the of the, of the, the Lich King crown that you don't need somebody... Like, you don't need this host in there as well. Um, the person who's wearing it basically has full control no matter what. Um, and, I mean, I guess if we're looking at a timeline span as well, like, the absence of Ner'zhul... I, it didn't seem to do anything like, I mean, on either end. Yeah. The world hasn't ended yet. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the, the control aspect is still very much there. Um, it, like I can't, I can't help but feel like somebody just like took a wrench and like threw it in the whole thing. Once they're like, Hey, we're going to break this thing in two and you get another universe because of it. You know what I mean? Like, cause that <laughs> it just opens Pandora's box to like the variety of things that you kind of need to figure out what goes on within the helmet and what, caused this helmet to have such a tie to the Shadowlands, despite the fact all that we're basically given for information is that it was made there. So we we do know, okay, the helmet was made in Shadowlands, and we'll, we'll go ahead and say the rest of the toolkit for Arthas, his, uh, his raid tier set, was made in Shadowlands. <laughs> I love it. Um, it, was, it was brought to Azeroth, um, empowered by an actual living person being able to put it on, thus Arthas becoming the Lich King. And as he killed and killed and killed, the Horde grew stronger. Necromantic powers, which hadn't really existed before this. It was like a virus that just didn't exist. And then suddenly it's everywhere. Like another one we know of. Yeah, I'm going to keep that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as as that power grows, because it, it, it couldn't have always been since the beginning of time that this was the focal point of death and necromantic energies. It was created, and it was created fairly recently. At least, at least it was introduced to Azeroth fairly recently. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, then we can assume that as it grew in strength, as more souls were added to it, which a lot of souls were, would have been added to it during the fight with Legion as well. Bolvar was not shy about using the Undead Horde. Um, and you gain very powerful souls in the form of uh, the, the Undead Horsemen and everything like that, that's when it becomes this incredibly powerful focal point between the two worlds, between the Living and the Shadowlands, allowing Sylvanas to break it. Um, now, how she knew that she could do that, on top of a plethora of other things, leads me to believe that the Jailer, if that's who she's been working with, which I think Ian uh, had confirmed that's who she's been working with, uh, is aware of the, the the helm, is aware of its power and how much it grew and 
also how quickly it grew because we have to remember everything from the launch of Warcraft 2006 in game has been less than 10 years. It's been 15 years for us, but it's been a little under nine, I think, or a little over nine for our characters. Dear Lord. This has all happened. <laughs> yeah, it happened very quickly. And people been think sprinting. 2020 have been hard. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a rough nine years. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so what I'm saying recently, I, I don't mean like a couple hundred years, like, oh, Cosmics. No, like, very recently, this helmet became incredibly powerful and powerful enough to just shatter. Uh, the, the the bond, the barrier between the living and the dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, since the helmet didn't come specifically from Azeroth itself, it is kind of weird that it happened to be there at that exact moment that tearing it actually caused something. So I'm actually inclined to believe that maybe um, it becoming more powerful over the time had something to do with it, actually. Like, it was kind of the, the, the grand scheme for, for it to actually become more, like, they wanted the Lich King to become as powerful as they did? Um, I think maybe, like uh, Maze's theory, it might hold more weight now, um, in the sense that they wanted to make like an entire the entire planet basically some sort of super weapon. But I don't think they ever intended for the helmet to be destroyed, um, because okay, from what we know now, the machine of death essentially stopped working. Mm. Like somewhere between Legion and the end of BFA now. It just it, it stopped working, and somehow Sylvanas knew that by doing this, by breaking it, there'll be like the sky just splitting open and the veil basically being torn. Um, so that just means that either the jailer orchestrated something to happen in the Shadowlands already that caused a link between the helmet um, and the Shadowlands itself to make the veil weak enough. Or the helmet happened to already gain enough power during that time for him to just tell her, you know what, do this, this will happen. Because as far as I know, there's no way anyone could have actually assumed that's what would happen without any like outside knowledge. Even Bolvar didn't know. When she takes the helmet off of him, he says that will be your prison. He assumes she just wants to be the Lich Queen yeah. like everybody else did I up mean, to that to point. I mean, to be fair... <laughs> She already kind of is, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think she needs a helmet pretty much at this yeah. point. So. Not, not with Zalatath and uh, her her covenant, no. But, but like, even Bolvar, if anybody would have known anything about yeah. the Helm of Domination, it would have been him, had no idea. So so actually, it's funny that you say that it leads more, uh, more weight to my fan theory, when actually I feel myself agreeing with you more that this could have been something that the uh, the Lords of Death, whoever is pulling the strings in the far back, and I'm, I'm assuming it's the Jailer, but they might still pull the rug under that theory, but uh, has been setting this up as a way to cause the anima drought that has caused wars and conflict in Shadowlands. Um, pretty much this whole time, we have a being that was playing Sargeras through the Dreadlords. Or the Dreadlords have been pulling the strings the whole time. So I actually found myself my own mind being changed off of my original theory. Oh, see? <laughs> Such a wholesome podcast. Just agreeing with each other, it's great. <laughs> I, 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 like, uh, the idea that somebody is trying to, like, out-mind game Sargeras, yeah. like, that, to me, is just so interesting. Yeah. Like, they took some notes from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're starting to get their shit together now. I like it. 
Yeah, like, I mean, because that's such an interesting thing, because, like, I mean, it is it is known lore that they wanted to use Azeroth as a weapon against the Void Lords, right? So why shatter the veil, right? Like, why do that? Unless there's ulterior motives for somebody in Shadowlands to create this rift in using, basically, Savannah as the catalyst to break it because she's empowered enough that she can shatter the helmet, right? So, yeah, that is a... I like that. I like that a lot. So we can... Uh, I definitely want to like kind of keep that as some as a, like a known theory that we're playing with because it's such it's such like an interesting like uh, plot twist that you know because Sargeras has always been the all powerful bad guy. What if somebody's out playing him, right? So yeah. So Blizzard, if you if you guys are listening to this, it's please not take too late. The story, run with it. <laughs> you know yeah, where we, to find us. It's cool. we, we, we're we're the writing department now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just. Uh, <laughs> Throw it to us. We'll spend many a night just writing everything we need. So, yeah, I guess that kind of, like, we've, unfortunately, because of this, because of, like, the new lore and how little is known, a lot of our theories are speculation. Um, but I, what, something I do want to talk about um, that I, like, I'm hoping we do get more revealed to in Shadowlands is how Bolvar interacted with the Helm of Domination. Because that, like, of course, Frostmourne wasn't there. It was the helmet and the armor that kind of empowered Bolvar to be as badass as he was, to be, you know, the, the new Lich King and stuff like that. And his almost, like, his holy affinity basically going into this, knowing that it was self-sacrifice and all that stuff, and kind of the, the twisted like person he kind of came out as the uh, out the other end because i don't know if either of you guys have done like the the legion class halls for death knights but he's pretty like he's pretty gutless like throughout the whole thing he's basically just like i'll give you guys weapons and i'll keep the horde up here or like the undead horde up here but you guys work for me like i mean this is how this works see but that brings up another cool thing like um you mentioned that nerzul isn't a part of the helmet anymore and stuff Mm-hmm. But some part of the helmet must have a corrupting. To be clear, we we don't know we don't know how much of Nerzul is or isn't gone. Um, I always att- attributed it to kind of like a um, think again Dragon Ball Z because we're all nerds. And when they do a fusion, you you got two people vying for power there, and eventually somebody has to figure it out and just take charge. And we're not one hundred percent sure if Nerzul is one hundred percent gone or if there's still some of him there, some of those mm-hmm. echoes there. And Arthas was just like. I'm going to be the the dominant one. Yeah, for now. look at me. I'm the captain um, now. Well, and yeah, the only reason I I more or less say that Nirzul is gone, and like I mean, I don't know if he totally is because again, this was done really in though. the Arthas book. Yeah, it was done in the yeah. Arthas book, which is like we're we're already playing with retcons already in the in the epilogue. Um, Arthas basically has a as a vision in a, or a dream, whatever you want to call it, of basically himself standing between. Uh, the vision of Nerzul and a small sickly child, which I guess is supposed to represent him more or less, right? So he basically ends up turning, kills the kid, um, and then Nerzul is like, "Hell yeah, dude! It's just you and me now." And then Arthas turns, and, and then you know <laughs> runs him through too, right? And then he's just like, "Nah, it's just me." But where Nerzul has been a part of the armor so much, I, I you know I could see some remnants of him. Basically, like you know he gets a not like he gets run through, and he's like, "All right, I gotta hang." real low yeah nobody can know i'm still in here right because i mean it is it is it is believable i mean i could definitely see it despite the fact they do make that such a point for him i could i could see them writing that in as well yeah see i really want nizul to be dead because it also lends more to like just the helm of domination itself actually having innate power instead of 
you know, either something interacting with it causing something. Um, like, mm. I really want them to go into the specifics of, of what the helmet exactly is capable of, what the limits are. So if the helmet itself essentially dominates its wearer into, like, going into a more darker side, that'd be really interesting as well. Although the whole Nizul still being alive thing, it, it's possible. Yeah, and that's uh, that's all I really want to give it is that it is possible. Um, Maze, I know you were kind of building to a point, so I'll let you I'll let you get back to that. Sorry. Kind of just to, to resummarize everything, we've gone through a lot of different fan theories, and I think our favorite so far is the uh, uh, whomever commissioned the building of the Helm of Domination, Frostmourne, the, the armor, the whole Ray Tier set, um, sent it into. Uh, into Azeroth, into the mortal world. And we don't yet know why. And I, I think our favorite theory is that it's going to be to create tension against the realms, against the, the Shadowlands and the mortal mortal realms, to either A, stop the flow or ebb the flow of, uh, of anima, of souls going through, so you can better control it, or so you could do exactly what happened and it just shatters entirely. And we, we seem to all be liking the idea that somebody has been outplaying even Sargeras, has been playing the really long game. And as we gear up into bigger, more cosmic uh, stories, which is what Blizzard really wants to explore is more more cosmic stories, I think this is the kind of stuff we might be able to expect, and it'd be a lot of fun to a lot of fun to explore. Something being able to outplay what has essentially been Warcraft Satan uh, since the beginning of the series. Absolutely, yeah. So um, with that, guys, uh, I'm down to wrap it up if you guys are. Does anybody have any real other closing points, I guess? No, I think that was uh, pretty concise. We, were, You know, for something we know so little about, like, actually, we covered a lot. <laughs> like, um, I'm really surprised by just the amount of effort they can actually put into the lore for something as obscure as just the helmet that Arthas used. To have this much, like, story behind it and stuff, it's really, really interesting. And um, I really hope they continue to just, like, kind of develop it. And I really hope our theory is right. Like, honestly, if, if this does turn into some major cosmic game of, like, Game of Thrones, I'm here for it. Like, it's great. <laughs> Maze, how about yourself, man? Anything to close out with? No, I, I always enjoy how how big the ripples can be for even the smallest of items. We saw that with uh, Zalatath. It was a throwaway artifact weapon in Legion. And look how huge of a role it played in BFA, and it will probably continue to play a little bit. We have no idea where that girl disappeared to, uh, going into Shadowlands. So it's it's always awesome to see. It's one of the best things about World of Warcraft, and I'm I'm excited to see what else we can dig out for uh, for future episodes. Perfect. So with that, guys, that wraps up our first episode of uh, Norganon. Uh, Maze, once again, let the people know, man. Yeah, uh, as always. Smash that like button. That's YouTube. Uh, leave us a five star review. Retweet us. Reach out and tell your friends where to where to find us. Which is any of your favorite podcast apps, destinations. Of course, there's poppedoff.com and our Twitter at poppedoff. Perfect. And uh, with that, guys, this will be uh, that'll be this week. Um, we hope to see you on the eighth of July for our next episode. The OG wearer of the Helm of Domination, Arthas. Have a good one.